I wake up a little earlier now, putting in a few more minutes each day on the old white stationary bike set up in the corner of the bedroom. Part New Year's resolution, part trying to outpace fate as I creep towards 50. I found that lately, much to my dismay, I've been gravitating towards low alcohol beers. And that's the topic of this episode, low and no alcohol beer. But there's more to it than that. You see, I've been experiencing some emotions around the topic. And this might turn out to be the most cathartic episode yet. I'm your host, Will Sis, and this is It Starts With Beer. One, two, three, four. This episode is brought to you by Brassworks Brewing, making a wide variety of beer in Waterbury, Connecticut. We're talking a juicy, fouled-up New England IPA, crisp and clean Edison Light, a vibrant blood orange farmhouse, and my favorite, rich and chocolatey Abel Porter. You'll find their cans in package stores, and you can enjoy their beer indoors and out at their tap room. For more information, go to brassworksbrewing.com. What you're hearing is a song called Strangers from Coleus. I'll play the full track after the episode during the after party. This year I turned 48, and my daughter is about to turn one. You do the math. 48 isn't ancient by any stretch, but it's old for the dad of a toddler. And it's in this context that I decided to learn about low alcohol and no alcohol beers, which are having a moment, as they say. Do the kids still say that? Again, 48. I found myself reaching for low-alcohol beers for all the practical reasons a new father would, like you can't really check out ever. I even had my first athletic brewing no-alcohol beer and found that I loved it. But for 15 years, I've been the author of a column called Beer Snob. I take pride in my tolerance. To get some insight into the trends in low and no alcohol beers, I talked to a fellow Alco journalist. Hi, my name is Kate Bernat. I am a beer reporter and writer. I report primarily for Good Beer Hunting, and I am a contributing editor also at Craft Beer and Brewing Magazine, and I live in Missoula, Montana. I'd heard Kate on a podcast episode with Brian Roth of Good Beer Hunting, She was talking about the perceived popularity of low ABV beer. So I knew that she knew a lot about this topic. She pointed out that low and no ABV beer are their own things. A low alcohol beer is one that's generally below 5%, and a no alcohol beer has 0 to 0.5% alcohol by volume. 
and they have their own fans. I I want to <laughs> I want to cover myself by saying that I understand that these are all distinct kind of things, but yes, uh, get lumped together kind of as better for you. So when I see what's driving this, what is sometimes described as like a rise in these beers, which I do think is is fair to say, I think it's because we're going in many of these categories from kind of zero to 60, like hundred calorie beers were not quite a thing that existed. I mean, we have light beers for decades, but someone explicitly putting the calorie count on something is relatively new. It's kind of the same thing with non-alcoholic beer. I mean, it's, again, it's been around, but there hasn't been much energy in that space, innovation in that space, again, for decades. She's right. The last time folks were talking about less when it came to beer, it was... I think just any kind of new entrance, especially craft entrance into this space makes it seem like there's tons and tons of energy and just this explosion of of new products, when in reality, it's kind of just we haven't had anything new in this category for so long. Kate points out that, yes, Michelob Ultra, then owned by Anheuser-Busch, started making low-cal beer cool again in 2002, with its 95 calories of watery beeriness. But what's going on with craft beer is something different. Better for you, lower calorie, lower alcohol space isn't a place that craft breweries have generally played. They kind of entirely let the big guys have that portion of the market, right? It was like light beer is is the big guys. Like we don't make light beer. In fact, we are diametrically opposed to light beer. Brewers like a challenge. I think they like a a threshold to try to get to like we had with the sort of IBU arms race, right? It was like who can hit this magic IBU number. But I think what's fundamentally a little different here is that to me, a lot of those trends we were just talking about, you know, bitterness, high alcohol, sweetness, adjuncts, to me, all of those were about more, more in the product. And now we're kind of talking about less, in a sense. We're talking about less in a way that fundamentally alters the reason people drink in some cases, right? If we're talking about non-alcoholic. And it's taking off with customers. I spoke with Kevin Thomas of Bottle Stop Wine and Spirits Superstore in Torrington, Connecticut. He didn't answer the first time I called. I was just in the cooler with a uh, beer customer if you called a minute ago. You are allowed to be anywhere you want to be. (laughs) Kevin's a beer buyer, so he knows his beer and customers. And he's seen a trend growing in low ABV beers creeping up since last summer. Basically... Uh, when they started coming out towards the end, uh, towards the summer last year, and then definitely into this year, I've noticed that it was a slow start. We had them, and they kind of just hung around a little bit. I think it just took uh, the consumer a little while to catch on to the fad. But once it did, you know, we definitely started going through a lot more of them this year than as opposed to the launch year. Ah, uh, yes. This was also the summer of Truly and White Claw hard seltzers I have no desire to try beyond a few sips. But it was another related category of beer that really has gotten folks excited. So low in alcohol, it's known as non-alcoholic beer, or NA beer. 
NA beer has blown up the market. Since I've started here, I've been working here, this is going into my fifth year, the NA section has grown from O'Doul's and Bush and maybe like a couple others, like a Beck's or something, to an entire shelf and a half I have now. Wow. Are they yeah. different um, styles of beer? Is they pr- primarily lager style? Yeah, so when you're looking at your standard, like your O'Doul's and things like that, those are all lagers or like an amber ale. Athletic has literally have changed the entire um, non-alcoholic game for beer. They are what all the other breweries now that want to make an NA beer, they look at Athletic. Yes, Athletic beer. It's the brainchild of Bill Schufelt, a former hedge fund trader, a brewery dedicated to making just non-alcoholic craft beer. N.A. Golden Ales, N.A. Stout, they even have an N.A. IPA called Run Wild, and it's actually really good. And it's only 70 calories. That's lower than Mick Ultra. All these other breweries are looking at them like, I had one of the Sam Adams reps come in and tell me flat out, we looked at the dynamics for Athletic and what worked for them and what they've done, and we looked to them for help in figuring out our own N.A. style of beer. And they're supposed to be launching one. I have Boulevard, which is a pretty big brewing company. They teamed up with Athletic. Brooklyn Brewing has a, uh, an N.A. beer now. Lagunitas has an N.A. beer. They're all coming out with them. I have to admit that I was slow to embrace Athletic Brewing. To be honest, I was quick to dismiss them. Part of it was the non-alcoholic thing. I've had O'Doul's. I figured it was like that with some hop flavor thrown in. But no, it's the real thing. They've got this secret technique to using traditional ingredients but removing most of the alcohol. Brewer John Walker at Athletics said it's a proprietary thing, and I didn't press him. I probably wouldn't have understood what he said anyway. But another reason why I rejected Athletic was the name. Athletic. Like it's a sports drink. Like you had to be able to run five miles on a regular basis just to appreciate it. <laughs> what a moron. Brewer John Walker described their appeal like this. It really connects with kind of the younger generations, but also, you know, the, middle, the middle-aged folks like myself or young parents um, who in this busy, stressful world and now even more strange, um, we need to... S- need to and want to be a little more present and mindful of, you know, how we do things and what's going on. Okay, so if I'm hearing it right, it's okay for me to like athletic, even if I'm not. Athletic, that is. Because I'm a middle-aged folk, like John, and a parent, and I do want to be a little more present. Check, check, and check. But what this is really triggering is that I'm nearing 50, and I have a baby to help take care of, but the idea of drinking light, low-alcohol beer is just not something I want to do, even if I should. Kate was very helpful when I opened up to her about it. I think what I'm hearing you say, I didn't realize we'd be having a a therapy session, but what what I'm hearing you say, Will, is that... uh, 100 calorie IPAs make you confront your own mortality. Am I am I correct in thinking that? <laughs> it's, it used to be so far away this mortality. <laughs> I wondered about this over 50 demographic I'd soon be entering 
and its relationship with beer. Kate pointed me towards some research from Rabobank, which is a Dutch bank. It recently wrote that in 2019, people over 50 made up 39% of alcohol consumption in the U.S., up 10% since 2007. This is surprising since most brands don't target folks over 50. Their analysis was showing that actually older drinkers are uh, a very a very lucrative demographic for alcohol to market to. They are increasing their spending on alcohol, basically premiumizing their beverage spending at a rate well above what younger and, and sort of people in their 30s and 40s are doing. So I think that shows that they're spending more, they're interested in drinking. Also, they drink more spread out. They hardly ever kind of binge drink under the classic definition. Mm-hmm. Um, older generations tend to have a drink or two per session, and that's kind of it. So they're like a wonderful drinking demographic, I think. They're buying good stuff. They're not drinking to excess. If I was marketing alcohol, I would want to talk to those folks. But what about craft beer buyers? Were they graying too? I asked Kevin. Craft beer buyers. So I would say it's not it's not as high as, you know, our, our 21 to, let's say, like in the, like, 40 uh, range, but when you're saying 50 plus for craft beer buyers, there's still a decent amount out there because you got a lot of the people that I'd probably say like a third of our people are probably in that age range because you got a lot of them that the import beers, that was the special thing for the longest time. Sure. Everything else was just your domestic, your cores and your bud and all those things. So the people that were going in and buying those import beers, you know, they were already kind of used to like a micro brew or like a craft brew. So them transitioning over to, you know, stateside brews and getting like your stone and your, your Lagunitas and some of those beers that were considered micro brews back in the day, moving them into something that's like, you know, a Two Roads or Hog River or Brooklyn or something like that, that's a little bit easier to do. John at Athletics said his beer trends with older drinkers too. Honestly, we, we really appeal to everybody down to my father. Um, you know, my father and I, I grew up drinking Sierra Nevada Pale Ale with him. And that was, you know, that's just what we did. And it was great. And, you know, neither of us have a, a problem with drinking. But now we drink athletic mostly. And, you know, he's getting older and it's probably good for him to to be a little more health conscious. Yeah, I can definitely. Yeah, I can identify with that. Have you ever tried to keep up with a stumbling 11-month-old? Crashing into things means nothing to her. She even dives headlong into dark rooms. No fear. My back aches just thinking about it. That's right. I'm thinking about my aching back and not my daughter's head ramming into the side of a crib for the 12th time. For some perspective on low ABV beer and their appeal, I turn to my buddy Art. He's the nicest guy, seriously. Always been supportive of my writing and now my podcast. He's super tall with white hair, a Midwestern transplant who recently celebrated his 50th wedding anniversary. Maybe he'd understand my mixed feelings about slowing down. Hi, 
My name is Art Hendrickson, Jr. I moved to Connecticut in 2001, got introduced to the Connecticut craft beer scene in about 2012-2013 and have been enjoying it since. I, I grew up in Milwaukee, beer capital of the world at the time. <laughs> and, you know, that was light beers, lagers. I didn't know anything about IPAs or stouts at the time. So, but you're, you, you, you've kind of learned to uh, be more of an aficionado about it. What kinds of beers did you gravitate towards later on? I'm a malt head like you are. Stouts, stouts and porters, milk stouts. Yeah, something on the sweet end. Yes. So here I am talking to Art, and I figured, yes, he'd understand my new attraction to low ABV beers. I'm finding that I, you know, I have, you know, more responsibilities now. I've got a small child. Uh, you know, I'm almost 50. Um, I'm reaching for lower ABV beers. Do, do, you, do you find that getting older means reaching for lower ABV beers or not really? No, I don't find that. Yeah. Some, sometimes if my body aches, then I'll look for a higher ABV. <laughs> so not someone who has a need to slow down. Okay. I asked him how he felt about hard seltzers. I've had a few there. I, I've had some uh, chill AF from Thomas Hooker. I was told that the AF stands for after fermentation. Oh, really? Okay. Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> And I think when it comes to beer, yeah, there's something to be said for, you know, the way you might change your drinking habits as you get older. This is Kate Bernard again. Yeah, that bit of moderation might be more appealing than it was when you're in your 20s and moderation is a dirty word. <laughs> but That's I, right. YOLO. That's true, right? <laughs> but I, I think also, though, young people tend to be quite image conscious and like health conscious when it comes to calories and carbs and things like that. So I don't, I don't really know how, whether those two factors sort of offset each other, but I do think there's something to be said for sort of moderation, small packaging for those older consumers who are drinking really like good products, but in smaller, in smaller servings and and in more frequent consumption moments. So I think it's a fascinating demographic that I would love to learn more about because we don't talk about them a lot, actually, right? When we're thinking about beer consumers, it's like the beer consumer is perpetually 30 years old in our minds. Sure. <laughs> you know, you had, you had me there with that we are an attractive demographic that is wealthy. And then I felt very sad again when you said that I'm not image conscious anymore and I don't care about how fat oh, I get. I'm sure you're quite vain in all the best ways. <laughs> all right. Feel better. And I did. And I do. I mean, in the big picture, we all get old if we're lucky. And beer can still be a part of my life, even if I am slowing down a bit. Da, 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 da. Da, da.
Da 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 da. Da da. Da da. My thanks to Kate Bernat, John Watson, Kevin Thomas, and Art Hendrickson Jr. Welcome to the after party. Pull up an antique rocking chair and relax. Have another beer. This episode was a departure for me. I usually do straight interviews, but I wanted to try something different in the storytelling. This took a lot longer. (laughs) And for the length, I really did think it was going to be much, much longer than this uh, with all the editing that goes into it. But hey, it was my first try at narrative storytelling and it was fun. So I'm glad I did it. It Starts With Beer is part of the Hopped Up Network. You can listen to other beer podcasts, including Building Breweries, Drink In, Geek Out, and the Beer Man podcast at hoppedupnetwork.com. It Starts With Beer is narrated and produced by me, Will Sis. You can listen to previous podcasts at beersnobwrites.com slash podcast and wherever you listen to podcasts. Please leave a high-star review and tell someone about the podcast that you think might like to listen. The theme music was performed by me and drummer George Mastrianis. Background music is courtesy of Pixabay. Now it's time to put on a record. Strangers is by Connecticut-based musician Michael Suttis, who goes by the name Coleus. I love this song, which is off his debut self-titled EP, recently released. You can learn more about him and his recordings at coleusmusic.com. Until next time, sip well.